Hello, and welcome to Bird of the Week. It's a podcast about birds, released on a non-weekly basis. Episode 1, A Hex of Bird. Ah, birds, those fine feathered felines. Oh wait, feline means cat. Damn it, who among us hasn't looked to the skies and marvelled at these wonderful winged creatures? And well we should, for they have conquered every habitat on Earth. From the Himalayas to the Sahara Desert, from the middle of the Pacific Ocean to the middle of Antarctica. They can swim, they can dive through air and water. Uh, Not land, but some can burrow and run. Some can drink salt water. Some even have poisonous skin. There are even some that know how to fly. Oh, probably shouldn't have ended with the least most impressive thing. Remember to self-edit this part out. If you can think of an environment, there's a bird you can whack in it. But I'm sure you've asked the question, as have I, as have we all, what is a bird? Like, what even is it? Well, a bird is any feathered, warm-blooded animal. Pretty simple, really. They all lay eggs, without exception, and they all fly, with many exceptions. But I'm sure you already know this, so let's back it up. To really understand birds, we're going to have to go back to the year 1861. Here's the scenario. You are a German quarry worker in Bavaria. Are you qualified to do this job? I don't know. That's just what's happening now. You're out there in the quarry doing quarry-related things. You've got your hammer and, I don't know, you're chipping limestone. You're a simple man, and it's probably never occurred to you that 150 million years ago, This place where you're standing was once a warm tropical lagoon. The limestone was formed by sediment slowly layering up in the calm waters. And into those waters, into those calm, majestic waters, all manner of animals would die. And their remains would settle on the lagoon's bed, where they would rest and wait to become fossils. People have found all sorts of things in the limestone, from shrimp and fish to plants and bugs But one day, one day, you were there, splitting limestone, and what do you find but the skeletal remains of a rather curious creature? On the one hand, you know it on sight. It's a bird. It has outstretched arms with a clear impression of feathers imprinted on the stone. Unmistakably wings, bird, bam, done. And yet, on the other hand... This ain't no bird you've ever seen before. Instead of a beak, it had a jaw with teeth. Instead of tail feathers, it has a long reptilian tail. And at the end of its outstretched wings are three distinct claws. Now, if you're anything like this German quarry worker, the first thought that comes into your mind is, I should trade this for medical advice. And that is what you do. You get those herpes cleared right up. Meanwhile, that German doctor who gave you that excellent medical advice eventually sold it for £700 to the London Natural History Museum, and that's how the German discovery of Archaeopteryx became known as the London Specimen. I mean, you can say what you want about the English, but no one was better at stealing world treasures. Ah, yeah, except maybe the French. Archaeopteryx translates from Greek into the ancient wing, and indeed, that is what this creature is. Ancient and winged. Part lizard, part bird. Or, to be more accurate, 
part dinosaur, part bird. Or, to be even more accurate, 100% dinosaur. For that, dear listener, is what birds are. They are dinosaurs, living and breathing pieces of prehistory strutting on our sidewalks and pooping on our statues. Charles Darwin, yes, that Charles Darwin, pointed to Archaeopteryx as evidence for his theory of evolution, and they are a superb example of an animal in transition. Because if we look at the fossil record, we can see how small changes upon small changes led from Tyrannosaurus rex to Velociraptor to Archaeopteryx to the birds we know and love today. Feathers were the first thing to develop. Initially, they were used for warmth and insulation or camouflage or even display, not unlike what feathers are used for today. Over time, these feathers changed. They became stronger, more rigid, longer. To start off with, they became useful for maintaining stability while running or attacking prey. David Attenborough, yes, that David Attenborough, believed that the first animals to really develop wings were small reptilian creatures that clambered about in trees. They used their pseudo-wings for gliding from one branch to another, not unlike some lizards and possums do today. And once this adaptation took off, birds really hit their stride. Oh wait, took off, hit stride, are they running or flying? That's a bit of a mixed metaphor, might have to change that. They start to evolve to minimise weight, so as to maximise glide time. They ditch their heavy jaw in favour of a light beak, and they find a way to maintain bone strength while shedding mass. You know how they say a bird has hollow bones? Well, they do. Um, Don't have anything else really to add to that. Their muscles become stronger. They become faster. Soon, they're doing Rocky-esque training montages. And the next thing you know, voila, powered flight. So now, I know what you're thinking. Were feathers being useful for flight just a freak accident? A serendipitous evolutionary event? I mean, well, yeah, kinda. But once birds had their hands, now wings, on that fluke, they were not about to give it up. Quite the opposite. They're about to double down. Hard. Because there is no greater evolutionary adaptation than powered flight. Are you being chased by a predator? Now introducing the all-new powered flight. Escape any foe by being four meters in the air. How does it work? Well, I'll tell you what, my son. You just wave your arms around. And as far as gimmicks went, it's pretty great. It's also not bad if you're the hunter. The sky's an amazing place to ambush a meal from. And so, since birds took to the sky, they have never looked back. I lie, some birds have looked back. Because here's the thing. As great as flight is, it doesn't come cheap. Getting off the ground is super energy intensive. I mean, hell. For one passenger to travel seven hours in a jumbo jet, it takes 125 litres of fuel. You do the math. I mean, don't worry about it. I'm telling you. It's a lot. And as you, your lounge, and your television set well know, life will not expend extra energy if it don't have to. Will the pizza come to me? Then let it be so. And indeed, time and time again, we find many birds have evolved to lose flight. Because if you don't have to, why would you bother? Two orders of birds have done this. The ratites, those of the ostrich and emu, they ditched flight because they became the biggest baddest birds getting around. If anything messed with them, they just kicked it in the face and then ran away at 60 kilometers an hour. And of course, there's the Sven... the Svenin... Seven... the Svenisififum? Penguins did it because they collectively decided that wings would make for better flippers, and the only thing better than flying in the air 
was flying under the waves, and so they became cute little black and white torpedoes. Memo to self. Less technical words in the script. Ah, I hear you say. What do you mean only two orders of birds did this? They're not the only flightless birds getting around. To which I say, you've got some nerve interrupting me. I was just about to get to that, so how about, yeah, check yourself, all right? Every other bird that lost the ability of flight lives on a remote island, somewhere free from predators, because under those conditions, they had no need to fly, to flee for their lives. To conserve energy, they stopped. And over the generations, they lost the ability altogether. And, to be fair, that strategy worked really well for them. You know, right up until people turned up on their little islands, introduced predators, which then rapidly wiped those species out. But that's a story for another time. At the moment, we're sitting at a point in the past, tens of millions of years ago, where the first birds had taken to the skies. Today, we have thousands of species, all descended from a single ancestor. So, just exactly... How vast is this family of birds? Well, to really make sense out of that, we're going to have to talk about tax. Oh, but don't worry, this isn't the death and taxes tax. This is taxonomy, the scientific system we use to categorize life. So, you know, it's really more of the life and taxes tax. That's just a little biology joke for you. Now, I assume you are somewhat familiar with the concept of life. I mean, that is, unless you're a rather intelligent rock, in which case, kudos to you, I guess? The point of taxonomy is to try and categorize life in some sort of semi-sensical way. And we do that by grouping animals together that are related to each other. It's kind of like a family tree, except for all of life. For hundreds of years, people did this using the most advanced piece of technology we had, our eyes. Like... If you look at a lion and a tiger, you go, yeah, they look pretty similar. And then you look at a lion and a wolf and you go, well, they're a bit different, but they're more similar to each other than, say, I don't know, a sheep or something. And that's how you go from felines, which are pretty related to each other, to carnivores, canines and felines, which are sort of like cousins, to mammals, which are like second cousins three times removed. Lion and sheep, they're both at the mammal family reunion, but they don't really know each other. And we worked all that out, just by looking at them. Science got better, we now do this by comparing the genetic material of animals. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure you already know this stuff. Because, in all likelihood, you are a human. Homo sapiens. And we people belong to the primate order in the mammalian class. We have physical characteristics similar to apes, and we're closely related to them. But we're also related to the other mammals at that family reunion. Who else might we see at that reunion? Well, there are loads of mammals that don't belong to our order. We have cats and dogs. They belong to the order of carnivores. There are rats and rabbits. They belong to the order of rodents. There are dolphins and whales. They belong to that uh, aquatic order. Altogether, there are around 5,000 species of mammal. But of course, there are no birds in class mammalia. We are kind of related to birds, we're both tetrapods, we have four limbs, but we're not super related to them, so they get their own class. Aves, that's where we get the word avian from. Aves, wait, aves, is, is, is that how you say that word? Aves. Aves, ah, that's embarrassing. Mm, okay, yeah, we're definitely going to have to edit that. Aves, and that's where we get the word avian from. All taken, there are about 
10,000 species of birds belonging to 42 different orders. That means there are birds out there that are as genetically different to one another as a mouse is to a blue whale. Oh yes, there are a lot of birds, and they come in all shapes and sizes. And next time, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to take a tour of the 10,000. Just what are the extremes of the bird world? I'm going to take you to the highest mountain, the deepest trench, the hottest desert. I feel like this geography metaphor isn't holding water, but either way, we're going to get to the bottom of what's up with birds. Wait, should that be the top of what's up with birds? Does that make sense? Get it to the bottom of what's down with birds? Yeah, yeah, that sounds better. We'll, we'll go with that. We're going to get to the bottom of what's down with birds. We'll see you all then. Is one bird, however often I release this podcast, not enough for you? And I've got some good news. If you'd like a bird to arrive in your inbox every week, simply send an email to weekly.bird at outlook.com and I'll add you to the Bird of the Week mailing list. No ads, no subscriber fees, just beautiful birds flying at you each and every week. Until then, this has been Bird of the Week.